We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Welcome to Kilkenny Today with Frank Tynan. Hope I find you well and nice to be with you on our Wednesday edition of Kilkenny Today. In today's programme we've got a busy schedule and uh, we'll be looking at the government's recently published document, Our Rural Future, and its importance to Ireland's future social, environmental and economic development. And also on the show today I speak with the editor of Kilkenny People um, in relation to the stories in this week's Kilkenny People. But we're going to start today... Um, uh, Unislim, which its thousands of members across Ireland, partners with Pieta House for Easter Monday Fun Run, helping to support those suffering with mental health uh, during lockdown. The event will be a global virtual 5k hop and run. And joining us now on Community Radio Kennedy City to discuss this event in greater detail, I'm pleased to welcome Fiona Gratzer, CEO of, of Unislim. Fiona, how are you? Oh, great. Thanks, Frank. Greetings to everybody from what I'd say is a very sunny Dublin today. It feels like spring has eventually sprung. Well, can I say from a, from a sunny Kilkenny, uh, you're welcome to the programme. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. This is a very innovative uh, fundraising idea, Fiona. Perhaps you might explain to our listeners what you're hoping to achieve for a very worthy cause indeed. Well, it's such a worthy cause and I really feel that particularly in the last year that we've all had with such you know, a highlight on mental health and looking after each other. I think it's been a really tough year for people. And I think also for charities, it's been a hard year to fundraise as well. And um, also for Unislim, the fact that we're very holistic in the way that we would approach getting people out and exercising and looking after the mental health. I thought, thought this would be a really fun initiative to get everybody together on Easter Monday because, you know, we can't do anything in groups, obviously. And we'd organise a virtual fun run or walk or hop or skip whatever you want to do yeah. to raise funds for Pieta and also to highlight the great services they provide giving 24 hour seven days a week 364 days a year services to people who are in need and in distress and suicidal or perhaps even um being you know having self-harm as well so it's a really worthy cause and something that i feel very strongly about us helping well absolutely like and we're all familiar with the great work being done by pieta house i mean i think 80 yeah. percent of their funds are, are need to be raised via fundraising so that in itself like is a massive um mm. uh, job in most years as you say uh, fiona but this year over the last 12 months i mean for every charity it it it, it provides extra really difficult um mm challenges up doesn't it absolutely and um of course it's very difficult for charities to fundraise particularly at the moment but i do think there's such a highlight on mental health as well uh, it's something that is lurking there you know under under the covers if you like in, in our society at the moment because it's a very stressful time for us for everybody i think there's a lot of pressure on people 
um, emotionally, physically, that we're all isolated from, from our friends and family and uh, financially. And these are potential problems that we'll have in the future. And I think for us to talk about mental health and to assist charities that look after people, you know, very much I think it's important for us to bring that subject out into the forefront and to have conversations about it and to be there to support each other and doing our, this walk on Monday, our run is an in- initiative that we have just to help highlight that amongst our, our, our participants and members and as you said, it's, it's a global virtual 5k Yes. Um, it's, to, be, to be honest well, I'm, when I say global, it could be my, my cousins in Australia. Who knows who's taking a part? <laughs> we have we have we have lots of people who've joined Unislim um, online because we actually gone online in the past year. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Obviously, how you coped yourselves in relation exactly. to Unislim? Yeah. So we had to close um, our doors just over a year ago, and it, you know, at the time for many businesses, it was a very worrying, concerning time for, for us because we would have over 300 classes a week running around Ireland. And you know, I also have you know two offices and lots of employees and people. I really, you know, I really want to keep everybody going and the employment going. And um, it, it was a very stressful time. But within a month or so, we had completely transformed our business to be an online offering. And um, that's been changing. We've been tweaking it and learning. And it, honestly, members and people who have been with us throughout this, this journey have been very understanding because we've been introducing innovations and changes throughout the way because you know we had to go very much down the digital route and we have a global community now of members who have joined Unisim and they would never have been able to join before because we only had classes in Ireland we're an Irish an Irish company so it's it's been it's been very really interesting it's been very hugely challenging and um but ultimately it's been very rewarding to just constantly be learning all of the time it's been a year of growth from that perspective yeah i suppose there's there's a lot of ideas that have developed during this covid 19 situation mm-hmm. which will probably stay with us because we can work maybe smarter i mean zoom is here forever probably but you know being able to mix it um, again when when everything is passed is going to be um, a great challenge too but i think obviously a lot of people now are, are comfortable almost using zoom for example or yeah, yeah, IT presence so- yeah well, look, it's, it's incredible. I mean, who even heard about Zoom exactly. almost a year ago? I mean, I, I just it's, it's transformed our lives, you know, and I'm doing a course online through Zoom, a virtual course. Like, it's incredible. You need, you, and, and back to the services that Pieta also um, gives to people, yes. they're also using online services yes. now. And I think, you know, through through the use of Zoom and technology, people being a lot more comfortable with um, with online technology, you know, you, you can see a counsellor online now. You don't have to go physically into an office um, and, and that, that's opening up so many more to, to assist people who are in need also you know you, you don't have to go into um, into a premises you can actually do support services online which is brilliant as well so it offers up so many opportunities and lots of challenges for companies I think people need to move also digitally at, at this time and you know who knows what the future holds but as you said it would be um, a situation where there'd have to be digital mixed with um, physical class of their meetings are really important we miss that connection with of people course. and that's and why it's, it's part of who we are as people I mean you know we like meeting people so I mean that's that's so important but I suppose again as, as Unislim and as the CEO of Unislim um, 49 year presence in Ireland I believe am I right in saying yes yeah. well we are Irish my mother yep. actually founded Unislim in 1972 when yep. I was a little small child wow and um, so I've ended up um, growing up with, with Unislim all within my life and it was a natural sort of transition for me whenever I finished college I went, started working in the company but it's been you know a lot has changed in those, in those times except really what we've always said Unislim has been a very holistic approach to a healthy lifestyle 
we really believe in helping people to create a very healthy relationship with food and with eating and that's cooking meals it's not a diet it's just really eating good wholesome foods getting back into the kitchen and you know just really enjoying good healthy meals eating healthily exercising and looking after your mental health and of course things like sleeping and exercise all those things work in tandem to create just a healthier you and that's what Unislam has been offering members for 49 years so it's you know and now that we are online as well it's an opportunity for us to sort of spread our wings and to offer that to a more global community and a lot of people who you know the Irish diaspora have you know linked into that and they're really delighted to have them on, on our on our Unislam online classes as well because we do Unizoom we, 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 we thought we'd just take the name Unizoom I checked it with Zoom and they're happy with it but uh, so we do Unizoom classes as well for people that they can you know just um, chat to uh, our leaders as well so it's been really interesting time I, I suppose again on a on a health front. I mean, obviously, uh, weight gain and uh, obesity um, ha- are very much part of our uh, situation now in Ireland and globally, obviously mm. as well. So, I mean, again, mm. I think people's consciousness of, of taking control of their weight. I mean, um, has that changed much over the years, in your opinion? And um, what works best for people? Well, what, what works best is people to have a balanced approach. You know, and I know that a lot of people will see that they want if they want to lose weight, they want to have a quick, rapid solution you know they want to like not give up everything and you know not do not eat chocolate not eat biscuits or you know whatever and and go hell for leather and the exercise but really that isn't sustainable long term you have to have a long-term sustainable attitude to a healthy lifestyle and that is by really paring back and looking at the foods that you eat three meals three healthy meals a day and two snacks if if you can two healthy snacks throughout the day of course you need to eat treats and chocolate and have a glass of wine and all those things and that's what i really believe in you can't you know all the things that you love you want to enjoy your life, live your life to your best. You want to be able to have everything in moderation. And that's really the key, is to really just understand that you can have a little bit of everything and, you, you know, that you can live a healthier lifestyle. And by maintaining that healthy attitude, eating well, exercising, and, you know, again, looking after your mental health and sleeping. And all of these sort of key um, components are available to Unison members. And that's what we, we have a wonderful community. We have an app where we've got thousands of members who communicate and just are on our app. And it's a member-only app. And then we've got our online, we've got chat rooms, and we have a supportive community on our website as well. So it's really people having, you know, sometimes you really need somebody to support you along the way. I need support in so many ways in my life. And it's great to know there's like-minded people out there, like Unison members who are there for you to help you to stay on track and just to support you and to show you the way. Absolutely, and I suppose again you've you've implemented that yourself in your own business. Um, um, I suppose model because you're very. Um, I suppose energy is very important. You're, you, I just read about an article that you were uh, writing in, and uh, you said uh, energy is contagious, and to surround yourself with positive people. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, well, come on now, more than ever, that's so vital, business, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and it's. Um, I, you know, I, I really think you can create that energy yourself as well. You know, not every day I feel that it's it's all like um, rainbows and, you know, unicorns. But, you know, I love just forcing, I force myself to feel as good as I can. I set an intention for the day. And whether it's I like go out for a run, fresh air, and just really have positive thoughts. And you have to sometimes force yourself to feel positive about, well, you know, because I think it's been a really, really tough and challenging time for everybody. You know, not being able to see our family and our friends, you know, as we're as humans, it's, you know, it's our human nature to want to hang out together. And that's been really difficult for me. So I've had to 
sort of like dig deep as well to remain positive and you know, so, so far it's working <laughs> absolutely and I suppose we're all learning about ourselves every yeah. day aren't we since uh, yeah. and, and the exercise is so key and so yeah. important which is why this initiative on Easter Monday and you yeah. know, we're starting at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. if anybody wants to register they can go to um, Eventmaster or go onto our Unison website unison.com and you can just find the links there but it's 20 euro that goes to Pieta House and it would just be wonderful to have as many people as possible just taking to the streets, going out for a walk and feeling you know, that they're, doing, they're contributing to a really positive cause but also they're looking after themselves at the same time. Absolutely, and people can take photographs maybe of, of their little walk or run. Yes, and, and they, uh, can, yeah. they can hashtag Unison for Pieta or Unison Pieta House, whatever they would like to. There's loads of hashtags they can use. They're available, they see them on our website. And um, there's prizes to give away in the day, and it's just a bit of fun. It's Easter Monday. It's traditionally a day where people go out and treasure hunts or yeah. egg hunts. Or, so at this time, you know, it's a good way to work off the Easter eggs if you've had any, and get out and get some fresh air, and you know, do it with your family and have some fun. And as you said again, obviously with the five k limit, we're all keeping within the guidelines. Of course, and within the guidelines and the five k limit. Yes, indeed. Well, listen, Fiona Gratz, our CEO of Unison, it's been really great talking to you. you I too, wish Frank, you success you. on you. Monday for for this wonderful um, so effort for Pieta House. And um, thank you, thank you, thanks, thanks for your, time. your support. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yes, Easter Monday, and uh, we'll come back to it maybe later in the program. But um, let's have a little listen here. Spirit Alive every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock with Father Willie Purcell and Heidi Good. An oasis of Christian reflection, music, prayer and interviews. Sponsored by Shazby's Funeral Home, opposite St. Kieran Cemetery, Kilkenny City. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. First Scott here, inviting you to start your weekend with Good Morning Kilkenny. Every Friday morning with the very best of music from yesteryear. I'm sitting on top of the world. Getting you in the mood for the weekend ahead. Here on Community Radio Kilkenny City at 88.7 FM. Indeed. Uh, welcome back to Kilkenny today with Frank Tynan and um, th- big thanks also to my colleague Anne Nolan for production help on the programme today as always. Um, my next guest, uh, Social Justice Ireland, welcomed the recent launch of the government's Our Rural Future publication but they also state that the government must deliver the resources, services and infrastructure required to make our rural future a success. I'm pleased now to welcome to Kilkenny today Michelle Murphy who is the research and policy analyst uh, from SJI to have a broader discussion about this area. Michelle, how are you? Very well, thanks, Frank. Very well. Thank you for having me on the show. It's nice to talk to you, and obviously this has been getting a lot of coverage over the last, uh, I suppose, 48 hours, and it's a really interesting document. And perhaps maybe just might get your own intake uh, or views on it, if I might. Yeah, I mean, it is... Now, we've been waiting a year for it uh, to, to be published. A lot of consultation went in. And I have to say, look, I, it is very welcome. There's a lot of positives in it. Yeah. You know, it's the first kind of rural strategy I've seen where one of the high-level outcomes... Uh, from it is to reduce the regional income disparity because we know like incomes generally are lower in rural areas and regional areas and there's a lot in it about improving the quality of life of communities about you know supporting local economies and being flexible to respond to local needs and the need the need to look at things as a whole so in terms of public services that you need to think about spatial planning you know supporting businesses enterprises community development, communications, infrastructure, all of, so all of that is really, really positive and there's a lot of good 
good things in there. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, if a lot of it is contingent on particularly broadband, broadband a huge yeah, amount yeah. of this is contingent on the rollout of the broadband strategy. And then in terms of just the infrastructure even behind that, I mean, the state is going to have to put in a lot of that infrastructure and those services. So unless they put, I suppose, to put, unless they start putting the money on the line now and in budget 2022 in October and in the National Development Plan, you know, there's a lot of good things in there. But if they really want it to be a success and if they want to build on, I suppose, the the sort of momentum we have now with remote working and people realising actually, you know, you know, there's no quality of life in commuting an hour and a half each way to Dublin every day or, you know, paying way over the odds for a terraced house somewhere in Dublin and still being stuck in traffic and paying way over the odds for absolutely everything else. You do have a better quality of life in, you know, in the regions, in rural towns, you know, but people won't be supported to stay there unless you put in, you know, the services that they Absolutely. need. Absolutely. That's what they really need to do with it. Yeah, just reading the press reports in, in relation to the publication, um, the, I think the Minister did, did say that there won't be any financial kind of numbers until maybe the budget, um, and also the time frame. And But I mean, the broadband, as you said to me, and anyway, we just reading through some of the information, is key to all this, and it's, still, it's not going to change. It's going to be a seven-year plan as far as I'm aware, Michelle. Um, yes, and I mean, that was reiterated yesterday in something else, that it's a seven-year plan, and to be honest, this will fail if they don't get on top of that. I mean, a seven-year plan is, I mean, we've been waiting since before 2011 for broadband. I mean, it's it's ridiculous yes. at this point that we are still waiting for decent broadband. And, you know, there's talk in the strategy of ex- expediting it and looking at funding and how you expedite it, but I mean, seven years is far too long to wait. I mean, we spent three years looking at um you know, tendering for it and all this planning. We, we know what needs to be done. They actually just need to put the money in and find, you know, they, you know they've, they've awarded the tender. One would hope that the, the person who was awarded the contract has the capacity to roll it out at speed because the entire economic element of the strategy is contingent on people having access to broadband. And, you know, the 400 remote working homes yes. that are an integral part in the IDA element that's all based on, you know, digital services, broadband, and having the backup services provided for those hubs. Um, and, you know, it seems to me that it's going to be really difficult to deliver on those hubs if you don't put the broadband in place. And, I mean, we all know, um, I mean, I'm from Kilkenny myself, and <laughs> I know how bad it is, how difficult it is to get mobile phone reception down there, never mind go online and do my work. You know, so that that's going to be the biggest challenge they face but on the other side I mean the state can borrow money now at at almost zero percent interest rates and we can at the public parliamentary budget office has found and even the minister himself the minister of finance say we can service the debt that we have I mean you just roll it out into a long-term bond you can service that debt the state can afford it so they they should be borrowing that money the NTMA should be borrowing money to ensure that we can invest in the infrastructure we need, so things like broadband and housing, because that is an asset to the state at the end of the day. Once you have quality broadband, you know, it's an asset to the individual and the labour force, but it's also an asset to the country. Um, so, I mean, that's where we should be putting the money in, and I mean, the, we'll wait and see what comes of the revamped National Development Plan, but I do firmly agree that seven years is far too long to be waiting well, for absolutely. broadband and the strategy is to finish in 2025 and it won't be a success without it. 
Well, as you said, I, Michelle, I agree with you. I, I'm obviously from Kenny myself as well. I live about 5 kms outside the city, and uh, you know, the broadband I have is from a satellite kind of, and it's just, you know, in this day and age, and I suppose again, you know, we have to learn from the last 12 months, and certainly we have been so dependent on good internet. We see it from people working, from even medical appointments. We see it now, obviously, from schooling point of view. So, if for no other reason alone, like we have to learn from the last 12 months, don't we? We do, absolutely, because it, it's an essential, you know, it's not a luxury, it's actually an essential, In order, it's not just an economic essential, it's a social essential, it's an educational essential. And what will happen is, that, you know, after the last crash, there was a gap that grew between urban and rural areas because urban areas were quicker to recover in terms of employment, so they kind of, they moved ahead slightly. I mean, after the, once we move out of the, I suppose, the, the worst of this pandemic, that gap is actually going to grow because because of the digital divide that already existed, yes. that's just been exacerbated now. Yes. And, you know, I, I it, it's really incumbent on them to, to do something about that. And if you, you know, take the example of Finland, for example, they have managed to roll out high-speed broadband to extremely remote rural areas, and they have full coverage. You know, why can't we look at that model and see how they managed to do it? and how they managed to roll it out to very, very remote areas and, and you know, in very difficult conditions considering, considering the climate, but they were able to do it and they're fully functional now in that regard. So we, I mean, there's no reason we can't follow suit. I mean, we have the capacity, it's, but we do need to put the money, the money in because otherwise, you know, it's just going to be yet another disappointment, you know, because we do get a lot of, I suppose there's always a lot of lip service paid to yeah. rural Ireland. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we had the Bank of Ireland announcements, announcements a number of weeks ago, and the Ulster Bank. I mean, those are white-collar jobs that are going from rural towns. And I actually looked up in Kilkenny, I looked up, there's three branches of Bank of Ireland closing. Yeah. So, I mean, where are businesses supposed to do their banking? Where are people supposed to do their banking? And those are also jobs, you know, those are good white-collar jobs in communities that are now gone. So unless we put something in to replace them, we are going to face, you know, a real, real challenge. So that's why, you know, the strategy, reading through it, and, I, you know, I tuned into the, the launch of it and the conference with Taoiseach and Tanisha and Minister Ryan and Minister Humphreys, and that was all very positive. And I think, you know, the government obviously wants to take ownership of this and, you know, they really want to push it. But we'll have to see what money comes along in, budget, in the budget in October to really get a sense of you know, how committed they really are. Well, certainly as well. And I think one of the goals also is to have a 20% of the public service working remotely as well. So, you know, everybody's going to be so much in the need of, um, as you said, broadband, which seems to me to be the, the base for all this. But uh, but you yourselves have some recommendations to make on the plan, haven't you, Michelle? We do, yeah. yeah. I mean, so they talk about, you know, they talk about rural proofing there, which is yeah. positive in terms of public services. And, you know, we would argue that there's, there's an equivalence principle. So that means you look at, it doesn't mean every service is going to be in every rural area, but the services that are there should be of the equivalent quality of those in urban areas. So we have to, for a start, there should be quality services rolled out. But also, you know, it's really it is up to the state to address the market failure and sort of core services because community groups can't be expected to go and apply for grants to address those issues. So, you know, the base level of, uh, you know, public services and infrastructure. It's up to the government and the state to roll those out and put those in. And another issue, I suppose, the distance yes. thing. You know, uh, there was a CSO report last year looking at this for things like uh, supermarkets. Your 
GP, your pharmacist, the average travel distance for someone in a rural area is seven times longer than someone in an urban area. And the average distance to most services in rural areas is three times longer. So, you know, when you're planning, doing your spatial planning, your national development plan, you have to take all of those things into account. And, you know, we had the post office network out recently, you know, pointing to the fact that they face a very difficult and challenging situation at the moment. But then if most people, six out of ten people live within two kilometres of a post office, so how can we rethink how we design things to, you know, how can you potentially expand the services that are available to your post office? Can you reconfigure them? You know, those are all things that probably really need to be discussed at a more local level because the the other issue is that the report does focus on sort of a place-based response. You know, so you, you, you meet local needs locally. Yes, yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, you can be flexible, but then you have to give the power to local government and local representatives and local groups to do that, to be able to respond to need, but also they need the money to do that. So the money needs to be flexible as well, you know, so they need to be able to adapt to meet, because every, every area is different, it's got a different type of labour force, you know, a, a diff, different type of demography, there's older people, there's younger people, but you know, people you know, local communities are very resilient. They can adapt, but that would mean, you know, giving more responsibility to local representatives, you know, local agencies. And we haven't been very good at that, really. You know, we've kind of centralised almost everything here, unlike a lot of European counterparts. So I think they're going to need to look at that as well. And then I suppose the whole area of um, the just transition piece, you know, the Climate Action Bill was released last week as well and it's rural areas that are going to be most impacted so how do you mitigate that how do you make sure that the, those people and communities aren't left behind and that means talking to local communities you know helping them plan to meet the changes looking at what's their training supports or income supports or employment supports you need to put in before that change comes because we all knew about the board pneumonia closures and I mean successive governments knew for more than a decade but they never really got in there and did the planning so then as a result of the court case you know the plant was closed probably quicker than it would have otherwise been and the community is left dealing with the, the fallout of that and yes Kieran Mulvey has done a good job and some money has gone in to fund projects but I mean it could have been managed a lot better than it was so I think we need to learn from that as well and look at how we manage the changes that are coming too because you know the thing is, in rural areas, the quality of life is much higher than urban areas. The cost of living is lower. Yeah. So it's a win-win for anyone who has the opportunity to, you know, to continue to engage in remote working. It's just that they need the things like access to a GP, childcare, a yeah. place in a school. Housing. Uh, housing, all of those kind of things. You know, those are the basics that you need to provide for people. So I, I'd hope to see that, some sort of moves in that direction, you know, in October. Well, they're all really important points that uh, that you raise, and uh, I suppose again, just to maybe, it's a document that's welcomed, but um, it needs to be kind of worked on, and uh, sooner rather than later. Yes, I mean the money starts needs to start going in now. It's a very welcome document. It's a good document. You know, it's comprehensive. You know, it recognises a lot of the needs of rural areas, but also the huge positives. But we all know about the positives and you know we've heard this year on year on year and we see ads on the television about you know from Falls to Ireland and other groups about 
you know, rural Ireland being the backbone of the country. But unless you support it, it won't be anymore. And by supporting it, that requires money and infrastructure and services. And at a political level, that's what the bottom line in line is, resources, services and infrastructure. And I really hope they start to deliver that now with the development plan, the national economic plan, and then the budget in October. Hopefully we'll see a big shift into the, you know, the funding that's needed for this strategy to be a success. And as you said, again, I mean, you know, funding is now available and it's at a much reduced uh, rate as well. So the opportunity is there for, for the government to, to make that investment, hopefully in October. There is. I mean, they can certainly fund it. We can fund, the, we can borrow the money, we can service that debt. And if you invest that money into, a, you know, something productive, that is addressing an infrastructure challenge that you have. If you invest that money productively, at the end of the day, the state not only solves the problem that it has, it has an asset, and that asset will generate the income then to, in the long term, service that, because if you invest in broadband, then you're going to improve the productivity of your labour force, you're going to improve job creation, you're going to have increased growth, your GDP, and as your GDP and GNI, you know, your gross national income grows, then, you know, the size of the debt in comparison to what you can afford to service, it falls, you know, the ratio falls, so you're in a much better position. Um, so it, it makes complete economic and social sense to do that now, and that, that's what we should be doing, and that's what I hope that we're doing, and that's what I hope the Minister for um, Rural Development is, you know, putting questions to the NTMA that they're going and they're borrowing this money that, so that, you know, she can see that it's invested in the expedited rollout of rural broadband. Well, that's fantastic. Michelle Murphy, Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland, certainly gives us a lot of uh, insight in relation to the document, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again maybe over the coming months and see how we're progressing. Thank you very much, Frank. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Michelle, for your time. Bye. Community Radio, Kilkenny City. Local like you. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Hello there. This is Mike O'Brien inviting you to join me every Friday at noon for two hours of the very best music from the 60s, 70s and 80s and the occasional guest. That's live at lunchtime from noon to two on Community Radio, Kilkenny City on 88.7 FM. I'm delighted now to say hello to the editor of Kilkenny People, Sam Matthews, for our weekly look here on Community Radio Kilkenny City on the stories making the headlines in this week's edition of the Kilkenny People. Hello Sam, how are you? Hi Frank, good afternoon to you. Good to talk to you again and uh, keeping well I hope. Yeah, not too bad now. Um, another day, as I said, or I'm hoping to get out and stretch the legs at some point this afternoon. Exactly. Well, listen, it's all looking good since we spoke even last week as regards the brightness in the evenings and um, there's a there's a feel of uh, spring summer, isn't there? Which is always good. Uh, the extra bit of, of brightness in the evenings now really makes all the difference. Even just coming back from work there and it's still bright. Exactly. Days, it's just, um, it's, uh, it does you good. Exactly. Listen, another bumper-packed paper this week, and maybe we'll start on page one. Um, Sam, the headline is a, a storm brewing, and concerns over the size of the wind farm proposed for South Kilkenny is um, uh, in in debate, isn't it? Yeah. So that's um, that's that's uh, that is an issue that's been on the kind of radar for a little while now. We know there's proposals uh, for a, a wind farm in South Kilkenny, um, and uh, I suppose it's. The community have certainly been in touch with us. We, we had a story on a previously just highlighting their um, concerns 
Um, and so yesterday there was a, or on Monday I should say, there was a special council meeting to discuss it. Um, because I suppose in this instance the developer doesn't apply directly to Kilkenny County Council, it applies to on board Planola. Right. So the council's um, able to make a, a submission on that, submit its own report, on given its thoughts on it, but it's kind of, I suppose, sparked a debate over um, the size of what's being proposed, the scale of it, you know, the height of the turbines, exactly. the area it'll cover, the sensitivity of the area, and of course people living there have their own concerns about, you know, will... Well, for example, putting in foundations, you know, how is that going to affect the roads or water, all these kind of things. So there's a lot of different things kind of in the mix there. Well, it's, it's so important with these kind of uh, huge plans that everybody's on board, isn't it, really? It is, and I suppose Mary Cody covered that meeting for us. Yeah. But, um, my understanding um, of what, what came out of it is that all the councillors have, have some concerns over it, and those concerns are reflected in the report that's due to be submitted. Um, I think either at the end of, of, I think actually early next month, and um, you know they're they're going to basically um, I think question what the, the the extent of the development and just seek a bit further clarity on some issues. Okay, so much more to follow over the coming weeks. And um, on, on page ten, uh, Sam, there's very good coverage in relation to um, this new future plan that the government launched on Monday, and. Um, uh, obviously, the local response has been positive. I think a national response has been positive as well. But um, it's an interesting uh, plan, which obviously merits great um, uh, hope, I suppose, for for rural Ireland over the next uh, number of years. Yeah, um, and again, it's you know anything that kind of would address some of the issues that that rural Ireland is facing, um, you know, is, is welcome as long as it's it's um, productive and and meaningful. Yes. Um, so this is a five-year strategy, as you say, and it sets out these 150 commitments and that cover a range of different things that affect um, everyone in, in, in a rural part of the country, which is most people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's everything from broadband to things like uh, living in towns and villages. You know, why do people leave towns and villages? Um, can we keep them there? Can businesses survive? Um Infrastructure, all that kind of thing. So, um, look, it's it's been cautiously, I suppose, greeted. But um, there are, you know, they are commitments as opposed to yeah. um, hard and fast promises. So, a lot of it's about targets and um, hoping yeah. to achieve certain things. So, exactly. yeah, we'll watch it and hope hope um, it can be delivered. Yeah, I mean, it's very much, um, you know, certainly the broadband issue is key. And again. You know, there doesn't seem to be any great development in in, in, in speeding up the, the broadband services to uh, rural Ireland. And again, it's very much uh, connected to broadband and uh, also setting up these new hubs, uh, I think 400 new hubs. Um, so there's, there's, there's very little kind of, I suppose, uh, dates, uh, definitive dates yet as well. So it's, it's, um, it's as you said, to be, to be followed. And um, it's, it's, it's positive, I mean, but it needs to be acted upon. It's positive, and exactly, but as I said, it's, it's a commitment to, in some cases you'll see the wording, it's a commitment to explore something rather than a commitment something will be delivered. Yeah. So, you know, there's you have to, I suppose, look, they can't come out and, and make you no. know, all these hard and fast promises, but, I mean, the broadband is, is, a, is obviously a massive one, and we know that's been delayed. We know people want it uh, yesterday, and they still don't have it. It's been particularly a problem with the pandemic and people trying to work from home. Either you have it, or you don't. Either you can work from home with good broadband, or you can't. Um, and you know that's, that that will be important. But there's other things in there, like the pubs. I think the vintners have kind of 
welcomed what's been proposed yeah, there, that rural hubs could be a kind of a community hub or, or you know, that kind During of thing. During daytime, yeah, interesting. Yeah, some interesting ideas in there, and as, as we say, hopefully um, they'll all get worked upon. And um, I suppose another good news story for Kilkenny is in, inside, and it's uh, your colleague Mary Cody reporting the 4.3 million euro boost for cycling and walking infrastructure in Kilkenny. Yes, so that was announced on on Monday, um, and it's it's a sizable. It's another kind of nice investment that um, that have seemed to have come. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we've we've had a bit of good news to report. Um, so there's a couple of of big projects in there. You know, different amounts. Um, there's there's Bridge Street and Callan, and then then you know closer here to to the city, there's there's Coots Lane, another kind of city centre. Um, um, Thing. So it's about cycling and walking and just improving that infrastructure and, and making making it a, a safer and more uh, user-friendly for cyclists and pedestrians. Yeah, no, it is a good news story indeed. And um, I suppose another good news story inside as well, and um, it's on page 8 for listeners, uh, outdoor performance and dining spaces to be funded. And again, this is, uh, this is interesting. Obviously, uh, government funding has been made available now, Sam, in relation to providing more outdoor uh, dining opportunities yeah, and um, I suppose that's, that's um, you know, there's grants been put in place now. There's, a, there's an announcement of a, a new scheme um, for outdoor dining capacity. Um, it's something that, um, again, the pandemic has highlighted. It's probably where we, we could be doing a lot um, a lot better with, with what's there. And we all know kind of stories of, or, you know, have been visited European cities where a, a lot more yeah. uh, outside and that. And I know our, our climate's slightly different, but um, I think it's something that we'll definitely appreciate or we've grown to appreciate a lot more and we'll probably make more use of uh, in the future, these kind of uh, outdoor spaces, spaces where people can gather. Um, you know, it'll just become more more part of our, our culture and part of natural uh, our natural way of, of eating and socialising. Absolutely, and again, I suppose if we take anything from from COVID nineteen, I mean, as, as I mentioned, broadband is is so important, but also, you know, we're going to be living differently as we move forward through this uh, challenging time. And um, outdoor opportunities, maybe just to have a cup of coffee, you know, not just for the summer, but um, I, I presume maybe just for the whole year, if that's possible in Ireland. But I think the availability of this funding hopefully might um, inspire that, that. Yeah, well, you know, if the funding is allows people to to, to you know, create a space that is uh, usable year-round. Uh, you know, there's things that, that can be put in to, to support that as well, and even things like lighting and just, exactly. you know, uh, yeah. all, all of that goes into making something viable and attractive to, to people looking for it. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great fund, and we'll be looking forward to seeing how it's, uh, how it's spent. Absolutely, indeed. And uh, uh, inside, again, a great, a great photograph here, and uh, cheers, Porrick Scoops Top Bar Manager Award. This is a, this is a great result for, for Porrick, wasn't it? And Porrick Rafter. Yeah, and we all we all know um, um, Paris, Texas, and um, you know high street premises. And I suppose it's the the Whiskey Magazine Awards were were honouring people. And um, we'd read a while back that Park had been, you know, he was the uh, the national award as, as Irish Bar Manager of the Year at the Icons of Whiskey. So this is a further update to that, and he's actually been named uh, global. Um, so brilliant for him, and um, you know, great to see, you know, a Kilkenny any success story like that on a, on a global um, uh, platform. It surely is and congrats to Porrick and uh, the team down there, Paris, Texas. Um, again, um, page 12, this is a very interesting article, um, a lot of information in it, Sam, income supports for a quarter of the workforce and um, a presentation was uh, made to Kenny County Council and it's kind of an economic dashboard for Kenny. 
um, that's right. And uh, so Cyan would have covered that that meeting, and it was about um, th- there was um, figures presented by the local enterprise office. So yeah. um, in Kilkenny, the local enterprise office would be quite good at providing uh, councillors with up to date information on you know what's happening within the office and and um, what what the employment and business status of of, um, of things uh, are. So um, she. Fiona Deegan, who's, who'd be the head, she went into a lot of the details there around, you know, who's who's on pop and how we've fared. Mm. And there's there's from other counties, there wouldn't be the same kind of corresponding data. So it was hard to figure out exactly where we are overall. But some interesting things there. You see, there's four thousand seven hundred eighty-four people employed in Enterprise Ireland. So you know what kind of support we have there. And, exactly. You know, just interesting uh, bits of information. Well, exactly, and even even the breakdown of the workforce's um, population um, ninety nine thousand two hundred thirty two, and the total workforce of forty seven thousand four hundred seven. I suppose also the the interesting area too in relation to house pricing and rents um, seems to be Kilkenny seems to be now rising to the top. I just see also in today's paper that um, Offaly as well. So that's interesting, isn't it, in relation to obviously the, the lack of availability of houses, but house prices seem to be rising. Yeah, and I suppose it was no secret that they were rising, but I suppose I was a little bit taken aback yeah. uh, to read that staff report, um, you know, um, th- this morning, and Kilkenny is, uh, it's, it's, it's probably, our house prices here are up, um, you know, um, uh, year on year higher than anywhere for, for the first three months of the year, so it's 18%, um, you know, I think there's neighbouring counties there, which... Even you know Watford, I think was on fourteen. Um, you know there was there was a few different. Um, all our neighbouring counties are, are, are have have seen increases, but not quite to the same extent that Kilkenny has. Um, mm. So yeah, um, average price of a, of a house two hundred and fifty four thousand. Um, so it's way way above its lowest point, and it does seem to be. I, I read I read through the daft report, yeah. and the, I think they are nearly taken aback by it as well. They're going. They thought that in a pandemic that that would stall to some extent but um, the Irish property market just seems to be um, a unique a unique thing yeah, I, I suppose again, it's it's probably a combination of, of lack of availability, but also I suppose with the with the working from home idea now, maybe more people are going to consider in the future um, if they're uh, based themselves in Kilkenny, um, that maybe that could be one of the factors as well nationally. Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a bit of that, and you know you hear of people. Um, you know, people um, bidding on, on properties because I suppose it's very. Um, when I've seen it's because it's hard when you, with, with restrictions that have been in place to, to, to see places. But um, it, you know, it's a it's a supply and demand issue. For um, sure. And you know, the total number of properties properties available to buy on March one was uh, under twelve thousand, um, which that's as a lot. That's the lowest figure since uh, uh, that since that you know started recording it as far as I know. So it's. Uh, it's substantial uh, fall in the number of available properties. Well again I suppose we could take some good news from yesterday hopefully with the construction workers going back in in a couple of weeks time it's going to be a help certainly as well. Exactly, and you know, there's lots of I suppose, different opinions and theories on um, in, in the media on, on what's going to happen next. But um, I wouldn't be my area of expertise, so I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't venture to guess it. But it's certainly it's certainly an interesting um, you know metric to keep an eye on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, lovely photograph inside the sports pages as well. And it's, it's a memory from 1999, Sam, and uh, um, it's um, Freebooters. And they're um, winding the clock back to 1999 when Freebooters landed the Leinster Junior Cup, and it's a great photograph. 
Yeah, brilliant, and, and to see something like that, which I suppose is what is it, 20, 22 years? Yeah, seems and, like yesterday. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure plenty of familiar faces there for people, but um, great to be able to, uh, you know, to, to be able to look back on, on some of the some of the big games of the past as well. So lovely to have it, and, and just on that, yeah, I suppose soccer note as well. You know, on on our back page there, there's a, a local company has, has invested with uh, Evergreen um, to develop a new. Uh, pitch facility there so there's there is activity going on in, in sport at the moment as well you know there's it's definitely you know look, we're looking forward to it coming back now in the weeks ahead oh absolutely particularly for for the younger sports uh, people i think it's uh, it's it's great and um something to build up on over the next few weeks as we said and uh, it's it's all looking good and i suppose maybe just before i let you go again as another good news story inside in the in the arts scene the greek horses in goldsmithing and ceramics to begin in 2022 and again it's really i suppose building on what we what we really do so well here uh, from an artistic point of view yeah that's right and you know we we mentioned it before just yeah. about how how you know well positioned Kilkenny is with 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 the talent that's here and uh you know the design and craft kind of pedigree that that's already here and uh so great to see something like that that you know will encourage and uh develop and bring in uh, talented uh, people in the industry and uh keep, keep it going because it's a huge uh, boon to us all it's fantastic and um, well as ever Sam it's been great talking to you um, a paper full of stories as, as always and uh, lots there to keep our listeners uh, happy over the Easter weekend many thanks Frank great to talk to you can I wish you and all your colleagues a happy Easter and your family as well and the same to you and all the listeners as well a happy Easter and uh, sure we will talk to you next week look forward to it Sam as, uh, as ever take care talk to you bye <laughs> Why not advertise with your community radio, Kilkenny City, as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 56 77 or our sales team on 86 810 Community Radio, Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit organisation. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today with Frank Tynan and uh, many thanks there to my guest Sam Matthews, editor of Kilkenny People for a comprehensive review of the stories making headlines this week here in Kilkenny and uh, to all my guests on the programme today, to Fiona Ratzer, from, uh, the CEO of Unislim and uh, speaking about our new charity um, working alongside Pieta House and um, it's a global virtual 5k hop and run for Pieta House and taking place on Easter Monday as you heard and you can get details on eventmaster.ie and also to Michelle Murphy who is a research and policy analyst and um, speaking about a new government uh, publication about the future for rural Ireland and um, hope you enjoyed the programme today um, as I said almost time to go we might just get one or two headlines from the papers today and the Irish Independent has first steps to freedom as 225,000 can meet indoors and uh, you've all obviously heard about that over the last 24 hours and um, also the vaccine priority in Independent is the headline list will be based on age to simplify rollout to public and um, 
also inside an independent uh, ban on supporters puts Ireland at risk to losing out on four Euro 2020 games at the Aviva. Yeah. And um, interesting article, as you mentioned there, about housing and the cost of housing. And the headline is chronic shortage of property for sale sees average price of a home surge by €20,000 in a year. We just mentioned some of those um, topics in our conversations today. Until we talk again um, from Frank Tynan, have a good week and uh, enjoy the rest of the programme here on the station. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.